0: Unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today, man?
1: I'm good, Nathan. How are you?
0: I'm fantastic, and I'm excited for today's episode because we're returning once again to my favorite series and to something that I'm really excited about. So I'm going to hand it over to you, and uh, we'll go from there.
1: Okay, well, let's get into it. We're back with our old master's series, and this is part three of a four-part series, What Your Prospects Most Want to Know. I would add what it is that they want to know Right away, and whether or not you tell them might decide whether or not they keep on reading. And the answer is still, what will your product do for me? But this time we're going to take a different angle. Up until now, we've talked about what your product will help them do or help them gain. This time, it's what your product will help them save. And some things will be familiar, but I suspect you'll hear some things you've never thought of before course I'm almost positive you're familiar with this. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. Most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health and finance and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So here's what we're going to do today. Uh, We'll go over seven things Victor Schwab found that prospects want to know if your product can help them save. Now, you only need to use one and you could use something else like what your product helps them gain or do or be. But today we're going to talk about save. I'll show you how and why for each one. We'll cover some examples you're probably familiar with in general, like product categories, or in specific, like headlines and sales letters and promotions you've heard of before. Now, let me restate this point. I've said it before. Vic Schwab spent 44 years working in advertising, and he kept a lot of notes. Everything here is based on testing. And very scrupulous observation with an eye towards what stimulates inquiries and what generates sales. And this is with the eye of a master. That's because Ad Age magazine called Schwab the greatest mail order copywriter of all time. 1941, he wrote a series of articles for Printer's Inc magazine, entitled the series How to Write a Good Advertisement. And in 1961, he expanded that series. Into a book, how to write a good ad um, the book is so important that my mentoring clients and I spend almost half a year going through this book in a special way I've developed and it's as good in its own way as Dean Schwartz's breakthrough advertising in short, I'd say Schwab's book is a gold mine for copywriters and Nathan, you discovered something interesting about an audible version, right
0: oh yeah, I just found it on audible two days ago and downloaded it and started listening to it yesterday and I was pleasantly surprised and then uh you told me that we were going to be doing this episode today and so i was like wow synchronicity
1: yeah well how about that (laughs) all right um so a quick reminder everything in this and the three other podcasts the two we've already done and the one we'll be doing a little later come from page 47 of the print edition and i can't tell you where it is in the audible book first half of the page. It might seem like a lot of podcasts based on very little information, but remember, Vic Schwab spent 44 years testing and tracking ads and reviewing other top performing ads, so it's condensed practical wisdom. Now, what did Schwab say people like when you show your prospect your product can save for them? The first one is saving time. Saving time simply means getting something you want or need to get done, done sooner. It's important to most people because most people have too much to do and not enough time to do it. Saving time as a hook can work very powerfully in copy. Remember Elmer Wheeler, who we featured a few shows ago? He used saving time to great advantage. After meticulous testing, he came up with this headline, or Barbasol. How would you like to cut your shaving time in half? According to an article in the New Yorker, those words increased sales of Barbasol by 300%. How would you like to cut your shaving time in half? Now, here's why. Barbasol was, and still is, a shaving cream in a can. You push a button on the top, and the foam comes out. And you spread it on the area you're going to shave. Probably your face. This might seem like nothing to get excited about today. But at the time it first came out, a lot of men used shaving cream in a tube, which is still available. You had to squeeze this cream into a mug or bowl, put some water in, mix it up with water using a brush, and then you would brush it on different parts of your face you'd want to shave. And that took time. I mean, it didn't take a lot of time. It took maybe five or ten minutes, but Barbasol cut all those steps out saving precious time. And if Elmer Wheeler had it right, it cut shaving time in half. So that's one example. Remember, increased sales 300%. Let's look at something else. something else. Writing time. This is probably familiar to you as a copywriter's podcast listener or viewer. Before computers, it was normal to have to retype an entire page on paper if you wanted to change something. Even if You only needed to change a few words. and had a typo on it. When I first learned about personal computers in 1981, my God, 81, that's 40 years ago, I was not interested in electronic bulletin boards or spreadsheet programs like Visical. The only reason I wanted a computer was for word processing. No longer would you have to retype. You just changed it on the computer the program I used at the time, was WordStar. Anyone? Any listeners remember WordStar? <laughs> it made writing a lot faster. Time saved. And a lot of other products save time, too. Maybe you see on infomercials things like the Vegematic. It slices, it dices. It did a lot of things. And we'll look at it again before the show is over today. But the most important thing is it sliced and diced faster than doing it with a knife on a cutting board. So you might want to ask yourself, how does your product save time? Nathan, what do you think about time saving? Yeah,
0: I think it matters the market that you're going after teenagers and young adults. Saving time might not be a big issue to them because they're bored. (laughs) They have too much time, but as soon as you've got kids or you're getting into your fall or, uh, winter seasons of life, time is very, very valuable. So it's much more appealing then also, uh, when you were talking about the um the word processing or the shaving cream uh one of my clients right now is for the cannabis industry and one of their products is the the main key feature is that it saves time um a lot of times especially with the the shaving cream it, uh thing example um we know we need to do something but the prep time or the the amount of effort and time that we have to put into something makes us kind of not want to do it pro- procrastinate against doing it even if it's important like shaving or maybe we love typing but that one thing of man I have to waste so much time though if you can eliminate that you can bring us back to that thing that we love or you can bring us back to that thing that we need to do so there's that kind of, uh, yes, it's saving time, but it's also making something more accessible to us.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. And, and I'm going to get into that a little more when we talk about saving work, which is not quite yet next. But yeah, really good points. Um, so second one is saving money. You can show that your products help somebody save money. That's what it'll do for them, man. Everyone loves to save money. Rich people do. Poor people do. Everyone else does, too. Now, some people are proud when they buy expensive things, but even they like a deal. Okay, every week I get a packet of coupons in my mailbox that cover all kinds of deals at grocery stores, and it's one of the most exciting events of the week for my girlfriend. Three days ago, I started getting bombarded with Facebook ads for a vocal collection on sale. A vocal collection, in this case, is a set of virtual instruments four virtual soloists, and four virtual choirs from a company I know and like, Soundiron. They seem to be from the Bay Area, where I live. I already have some of their other instruments, and I like those a lot. The deal advertised on Facebook was for $1,192 worth of instruments, and I believe that really was the regular price Sound Iron charges, since I've looked at some of them before but never bought. The sale for all eight is $239. That's $953 saved. I'm throwing a lot of numbers at you, but it's 80% off their regular price. So a few questions. Do I need it? No. Do I want it? Yes. Will I use it? Probably. If I use it, will you ever get to hear it? Yes. In a future Copywriters Podcast promo video on Facebook, Twitter, Twitter, or linkedin will i buy it are you kidding saving 80 percent of course i'll buy it so showing your prospect how they'll save money is simply one of the best sales techniques around of course it works in all kinds of industries and for all kinds of products we mentioned grocery stores before with the coupons but perhaps even more popular is buy one get one free Online with supplement promotions, there's often an upsell where you can get, say, four additional bottles for the price of three. People prop up their average order value all the time with upsells like that. And of course, the main appeal to the customer is saving money. Also, when there's a launch, a lot of marketers use an introductory offer at a lower price. Same thing, money saved. Any thoughts on saving money?
0: No, just the fact that. You brought it up already, but I just want to drive home the fact um, positioning something as a way to save money is often a way to get people to spend money. And I just I think of like the the wife coming home and being like, I bought this five hundred dollar dress that I didn't need five hundred dollars for a dress. Well, usually it was eight hundred dollars. So I saved three. No, you spent five hundred. I saved three hundred dollars.
1: Yes, she did. And You better believe that if you want to have a peaceful rest of the day. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Um, number three is saving work. And, Nathan, let's talk about Chainsaws. I'm not talking about the 1974 slasher film, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Netflix is rumored to be putting up a 2021 remake of the movie sometime this fall. Maybe you like that kind of movie. I don't. No, I mean actual chainsaws. Not only are they used for cutting trees, there's also a kind of chainsaw that cuts concrete. And for a time, chainsaws were even used in surgery. Chainsaws for wood not only cut a tree down, but when you put them in a special kind of frame, they can also be used as a portable sawmill to turn logs into planks and boards. Aren't you glad to know all this? The reason chainsaws are so popular is, duh, they save work. You can cut a lot more wood with a lot less effort when you use a chainsaw. I mean, for example, let's say you bought so many copywriting books that you need a new bookcase. So you've got a couple of choices. You could go into the woods with your axe, chop down a tree, put the logs in the back of your F-350, go to a lumber mill, pay off the guy to get to the front of the line and have them cut the logs into boards to build your bookcase. Or you could take your chainsaw and your sawmill frame into the woods and drive out with the boards for your bookcase, freshly cut, much less work. Of course, you could also go to Home Depot and just buy the boards. You could go to a furniture store and have a new bookcase delivered to your house. But if you're a diehard do it yourself, then the chainsaw is the way to go. It will save you so much work compared to an act. Now, to be sure, any product that saves work has the potential to be used as that That fact can be used as part of your pitch. Remember, if something, and, and you mentioned this before, Nathan, um, or you were at least alluding to it, if something is hard to do, a lot of people, just won't do it, and when there's something they want to do or need to do, a labor-saving device can sell really well. I mean, think about infomercials, even starting way back to the Begematic. Besides saving time, a lot of products featured on infomercials also save work. Now, just imagine what would have happened if George Washington had had a chainsaw instead of an axe he could have chopped down a lot more than one cherry tree.
0: Mm. That's a great joke to end that segment with. Another thing chainsaws can be used for is ice sculpting. My little brother used to ice sculpt with a chainsaw.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah. And then
0: the, the only point that I had to add to that was, we kind of hinted at it earlier, but this can be used in tandem with saving time. Saving time and effort together is a great way to kind of have a compound effect on the selling and the persuasion.
1: Yeah, and as far as your little brother, I mean, wasn't the chainsaw so much better than the hammer and chisel? (laughs) Yeah. All right. Um, So number four is save discomfort. It's fair to say a large part of the medical establishment exists simply to eliminate discomfort. You go to a doctor for a bad cough. You go to the chiropractor for a bad back. You go to a physical therapist for muscle pain. Of course, discomfort isn't always limited to physical discomfort. You could go to a psychotherapist for any number of emotional discomforts. But products sell because they promise to save you from discomfort or eliminate it too. From Tylenol and Icy Hot to hot water bottles and Pepto-Bismol, people buy things all the time to head off discomfort. You could even say luxury cars sell in part because of a man's discomfort about one part of his anatomy, Mm. or how important someone believes other people will think they are. A luxury car will clear all of that doubt up by implication, or so he thinks. Yet, people spend a lot of money one way or another trying to save themselves from discomfort. And the key to making this work, the key to making this work, is to first get enough into your customers' heads to know what they're uncomfortable about, which discomforts bother them enough so that they pay money to get rid of those discomforts or greatly reduce them, and then show how your product can relieve one or more of those discomforts.
0: I'm thinking of the very first copywriting template that I ever learned, uh, Problem Agitate Solution. And the agitate part, you find out what makes them uncomfortable and you just rub salt in that wound until they're ready to buy.
1: Yeah, that, that's, that's absolutely right. I mean, we are constantly uncomfortable people, you know, trying to veer back towards comfort. All right, number five is saving worry. Now, in 1972, Stevie Wonder released a song called Don't You Worry About a Thing. It hit number two on the R&B chart, the Billboard R&B chart. Anytime you can write a song about an emotion, and that song rises to the top of the charts, it's a good bet you can use that theme to sell products. And copywriters do sell products that way because people worry. It seems to be hardwired into all of us to worry. Let's talk about some of the things people worry about and products that promise to save them from that worry parents worry about their kid. So the electronics industry came up with something called the nanny cam, which keeps a watchful video eye on their baby when they're not in the room. Are nanny cams popular? You bet your sweet rattle they are. I found an online site for parents that listed the, quote, best nanny cams of 2021. They listed 30. Yeah, I'd say they're popular. Now, let's talk about financial worry because, as Elvis Costello said, accidents will happen. You could say the whole insurance industry is made up of products to ease the worry of financial loss. Worried about a dent in your car? Car insurance. Worried about providing for your family after your demise? Life insurance. Worried about hospital bills? Health insurance. And finally, moving away from insurance, but again towards saving someone from worry, let's not forget people's worry about what other people think about them. Remember Maxwell Sackheim's famous and very successful headline, Do You Make These Mistakes in English? At the time it came out, there was a huge market of people who did not want to be looked down upon by others as scruffy and uneducated. They worried about that. And Sackheim's ad sold lots of home study courses.
0: So with the exception of that last example, it feels like worry is very similar to discomfort, but it's the fear of discomfort in the future. So it seems like you could probably use some of those same uh, persuasion and, and almost manipulation tactics that you would use in discomfort, but just project them out into the future.
1: I think that's right. I I think I think that's a good point. I never heard that before. I, I really like that and I think you're right. All right, let's go to number six, saving doubt. People like certainty. Doubt, of course, puts a big dent in certainty. Saving someone from doubt can pound out that dent and bring back the certainty that people so desperately want. Think about a trip to the doctor's office or the chiropractor's office or the lawyer's office. Think about the last time you took trip there. Remember all those big frame diplomas and certifications on the wall? Now, whether they actually did this for you or not, those big papers and frames on the wall were designed to reduce your doubt and instill confidence or certainty. Now, let's talk about gasoline or petrol for some of our non-U.S. listeners. Ever hear of Texaco? They're still around, but they were much more prominent as an oil company before they were acquired by Chevron. Back in the 60s, they had a jingle for their commercials, which ended this way. You can trust your car to the man who wears the star, the big, bright Texaco star. Almost like they deployed a Texas Ranger to every service station. You know, star. Now, just yesterday, my girlfriend was telling me an interesting story about her grandma. When they used to take family trips, Grandma would offer to buy gas, but only at a Texaco station. Do you think Texaco removed doubt in grandma's mind while all the other gas stations were still suspect? I don't know, but it's worth pondering, maybe, right? Because think about, it. if you heard the jingle enough times, how could you ever doubt Texaco? Again, finally, here's the first part, headline, in the first couple short paragraphs of an ad the great Claude Hopkins wrote for Pepsodent Toothpaste in the 1920s. Magic lies in pretty teeth. Remove that film. Why will any woman these days have dingy film on teeth? There is a way to end it. Millions of people employ it. You can see the results in glistening teeth wherever you look. That's the start of the copy. He didn't mess around, did he? (laughs) Um by the way, if any brand consultants are listening, that's how you build a brand. Mm. But as far as the message from the copy goes, you can see how he created doubt about the dingy film on the teeth and how he was starting to remove it by the second sentence. There is a way to end it, which would eventually lead to the product, Pepsodent?
0: I think a lot of times when people are looking for a solution to something, they're trying to buy something, it's because they feel or they know that they don't have the ability to get the result that they want by themselves. They're not confident in themselves. So one of the main things that they're looking for is confidence from the person providing the solution. They're not confident. Therefore, They're looking for someone who is. And so if you can if you can inside of your messaging relay or give them that sense of confidence, show them, hey, I've got confidence, and so you can have confidence in me, that overcomes it not only overcomes a hurdle, but it gives them what they're actually looking for.
1: That's really good. Um it's a subtle insight, but it it's true. Um, If you can sort of wrap the other thing around confidence, um, that'll help your sales. And you're absolutely right. People want confidence. All right, number seven, saving personal embarrassment. So when you get into sales or public speaking or podcasting, You simply have to resign yourself to facing a certain amount of personal embarrassment. It's inevitable. Sooner or later, you'll say or do something that makes you look like a fool or an idiot or simply an uncool person. This is just part of life when you put yourself out there like that. I think that's why a lot of people never step up to get into sales or speaking or podcasting. They don't want to risk the embarrassment. And to be sure, it's something you can learn to live with, but it's not really that much fun when it happens. Take the flip side of this. If you can promise your product will save your prospect from being embarrassed or at least reduce the chance that this will happen, if you can make that promise and people believe you, they'll buy your product. Now, here's a familiar example. Underarm deodorant. Body odor is so embarrassing. That's all I want to say about it. One of the hundred greatest headlines of all time is, are you ever tongue-tied at parties? I'm personally embarrassed that I don't know what product this is for, but I think there's a good chance it was for a personal development product. Nathan, what are you embarrassed about?
0: I'm embarrassed about it. You know what, actually, I'm not somebody who, this particular uh, selling point, doesn't really affect me because I'm, I've always been the guy that's okay with failing in public. So um, it wouldn't persuade me very much, but I do see a lot. The majority of people are held back because like you mentioned about podcasting or public speaking or anything like that, a majority of people are held back because they're so afraid of being embarrassed that they prevent it. They allow it to prevent them from ever even stepping up.
1: Okay. That's a fair answer. So let's do a quick recap and then any closing comments and then we're out of here. So here are the seven things we covered. Seven things we covered today. Time, money, work, discomfort, worry, doubt, and personal embarrassment. That's it. And the book is called How to Write a Good Ad by Victor Schwab. We're going to throw an Amazon link in there and Nathan's discovery. It's now available on Audible too.
0: And I just want to end the show just by kind of driving this point home. Your market matters. And knowing where your market is and knowing which of these things will work on them. We mentioned earlier the time saving time might not work for young adults and teenagers because it's not something that they're worried about saving. Saving effort, saving embarrassment, it might not work on certain markets. So understanding where your market is, understanding what they're trying to save instead of just saying, "Oh, David said use this one or use this one or use this one." Understanding where your market is at and understanding which ones will work best for your market is very important.
1: Yeah, I think that's a crucial point. Um I would say These are pretty universal, but not totally. And, um, you know, there are exceptions. I mean, you know, there are some universal things like people breathe air and they drink water and they move away from pain and they move towards pleasure. But as far as what constitutes pain and what constitutes pleasure, that will vary Mm -hmm. with with your market. So, yeah, um, I, I guess another thing you're saying is stay aware, pay attention, be conscious, um, keep thinking. Um, yes, follow, follow the excellent lead that we give you with copywriters podcast, but bring your brain along.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. All right. And if you want to check out more episodes of the podcast, you can head on over to copywriterspodcast.com. You can also check out David's channel on YouTube. If you want more of the videos and until next time, we will catch
1: you later. Catch you later. Hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app so we can get into ears of more listeners. Thank you. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.